All right. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody doing today? All right. Hey, we got AC. We got AC. We're back in the worship center today. So, hey, big clap because uh, I know our operations team, our staff worked really, really hard uh, to get us back here, and they did an excellent, excellent job uh, pivoting and transitioning uh, very, very quickly, I mean, a matter of hours to get us uh, worshiping and continuing to worship together over in the Athletic Center. But we're back here today, and I'm really glad to be back here with everybody uh, this morning. Um, so my name is Gabe Morokoima. I am one of the elders here. I have the privilege and honor of being one of the elders here at Bay Area Church, and we're going to continue on our sermon series in Habakkuk of prophetic words. Um, how many of you have listened to a sermon series in a minor prophet? How many? Anybody? A few? Okay, that's, that's a good bit. Um, I've only ever listened to a, or been in a church that did a sermon series on a minor prophet. It was the book of Amos over 10 years ago. Uh, and so I was really excited to kind of get into some of these minor prophets and see what the Lord has to say to us through them. Um, <clears throat> the book of Habakkuk, in my opinion, is a book about questioning God in hard times, asking God questions in hard times. And so I also want to put a plug out there for uh, a future sermon series. We're going to do a sermon series as a church on tough questions. And so if you've had tough questions uh, about God, about life in general, uh, that you'd like to maybe see addressed from the pulpit, you're more than welcome to do so. We have these cards on the uh, um, offering boxes, and so you can grab one of those, write one in there. It's a little QR code if you'd rather do it electronically. You can also do it uh, online. But as we're going through Habakkuk, if God stirs in you some questions that you, you know, you've been wrestling with or you'd just like to see addressed, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, but we're, we'll be in Habakkuk today. Um, as I said, Habakkuk is a book about questions during difficult times. And uh, in my opinion, there's like two different kinds of people. Those who love to ask questions and those who, you know, don't necessarily like to ask questions. Uh, and those people typically fall in love and get married. Uh, that has been at least my experience in, in my life. Um, I'm the one who loves to ask questions. I love to ask tons and tons of questions. Um, Jamie, you know, not so much. She's different in that way. However, we are both currently in a stage of our life where we're fielding tons of questions, right? We have four kiddos between the ages of six and two months, and so we get tons and tons of questions, right? Oftentimes, dinner, I feel like I'm a White House press secretary, just like <laughs> boom and boom and boom and boom and boom, right? Um, and some questions are great. You know, I, I, some questions are great. Our kids have asked us questions like, hey, what does it mean that Jesus conquered death, right? Um, why did Nicodemus come to Jesus at night? Or questions like, Dad, what is the government? I've heard this thing. What is the government, right? And then you get questions like, Dad, where's my fork? And, you know, do I really have to take a bath? Or questions like, um, <laughs> Dad, why did Jesus make the sun out of vitamin D? Um, you know, you just get all sorts of questions, uh, you know, from, from your kids. Uh, I work in the space sector, in human spaceflight, and so I get a lot of questions. Um, a lot of people like to ask me if we really landed on the moon. Uh, but a lot of people are really curious about how do you go to the bathroom in space, right? And then what do you do with all those waste products in space? Because there's no plumbing. And so it's fascinating what we do and how we do it. Different spacecrafts handle it different ways. Uh, but on the International Space Station, what we do is we, we recycle it. We recycle the urine. We like to say that uh, yesterday's coffee is today's coffee. Uh, <laughs> because it's true. It's true. Uh, and so that fascinates people. And I get a lot of questions about that. 
and, and my son, Elias, some of you know Elias. He, uh, he was three at the time, and he asked me, he said, Dad, how is it that they clean the tinkle on the International Space Station? I'm like, man. Um, so I tell him, like, son, you know what? I'm not an expert on this field. I, I don't really know too well, but let's give it a shot. So I start my explanation, and within 15 seconds, he, like, cuts me off. He's like, no, Dad, no, how? I was like, all right, let me try again. And so I'm like, you know, son, um, urine is, is just kind of like water with yucky and dirty stuff mixed in. And what we try, and boom, he cuts me off. No, Dad, how? How do you do it? It's like, okay. Um, <clears throat> okay, son, do you see that, well, that water filter? That's our water filter there. And we pour in water, and it takes away. And boom, no, Dad, no. How? How? I'm like, son, I'm trying to explain it to you. And he's like, Dad, no. How? Is it? Or is it? I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I went with because is typically a noise reserved for gas-powered equipment. And while I'm not an expert, I'm like 99% sure we don't have gas-powered equipment on the International Space Station. Um, that being said, I have not verified this with the astronaut office. So if you would like to know how we recycle urine on the space station, I direct you to Chell Lindgren, ladies and gentlemen, Chell Lindgren. And I'm sure he'd be happy to hum you a nice little tune. Um, but we have lots of questions, right? We have lots of questions. And oftentimes, we have lots of questions for God. Um, we have questions for God because maybe we're going through a difficult time. Maybe we're enduring pain. Maybe life is just confusing, or the scriptures are confusing, or we're frustrated, but we have a lot of questions for God. And um, here in Habakkuk, we see how to ask God questions. And last week, Daryl did a really great job of introducing Habakkuk and bringing us into chapter one. And he said this, he said, hey, God is a big God. We should be able to ask him questions. Bring your questions to him. What I'd like to focus in on today is let's bring our questions to God. He welcomes our questions, but are we willing to listen? Are we willing to listen? Um, I'm just going to take you back into my life with little kids. At the end of the day, when Jamie and I finally have put the kids to bed and laid them down and have those quiet few hours before we fall asleep or a few moments before we fall asleep to, to talk with one another, uh, there's some days I'll ask Jamie, I'll say, hey, honey, how was your day? And some days she'll say this. She'll say, I felt like I spent the whole day answering questions, but nobody listened, right? And I got some Kidman workers in here that were like, that was last hour for me. Like, <clears throat> but how often is that the way our relationship goes with God? Where we ask God hundreds of questions, God is answering them, but we're not willing to listen. We're not willing to listen and so that's what we're going to investigate today and spend our time talking about here in Habakkuk chapter 2. Um, so turn to Habakkuk chapter 2. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 4 today. And as you turn there, I'll just give you a quick backstory as to what has happened in the book of Habakkuk that leads us to this point. Habakkuk chapter 1 opens with a question. Boom, just right off the bat. Habakkuk asks this question. How long will you let injustice rule? How long, O oh God, will you let injustice rule? It's a good question. I'm sure it's a question many of you have asked today as you look around. And God answers this question pretty much. He says, not long. Uh, in fact, I'm going to bring the Babylonians to bring uh, and enact my justice and judgment on the people of Judah, on my chosen people, Judah. 
Habakkuk then turns to God with a follow-up question, pretty much saying, are you kidding me? How is that your plan? How could it be, O God, that you would allow an unjust nation like Babylon to enact your justice on your people, Judah? So he asks the second question, and we pick up here in chapter 2, verse 1, with the words of Habakkuk. So let's stand as we read uh, the scriptures, and I'll start in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, I will stand in my watch, and I will station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. And what answer I'm going to give this complaint? Then the Lord replied, write down the revelation and make it plain on tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation waits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and will not prove false. Though it linger, wait for it. It will certainly come and not delay. See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by faith. You may be seated. So we see Habakkuk asks his second question, essentially questioning God, like, how could this be your plan? And then Habakkuk, what he does, we read in in chapter 2, verse 1, he says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts. I will look to see what he will say to me. Habakkuk, after he asks his question, postures himself to wait on the Lord and listen and listen. He doesn't just ask a throwaway question and then walks away. No, he postures himself after he asks this question and says, Lord, I am here and I will wait and listen for what your response is going to be. You know, it's interesting to me that it doesn't even cross Habakkuk's mind when he's asking some very difficult questions and getting some very difficult answers to walk away from the Lord. That's just not even part of what he's willing to do. Instead, he postures himself in a position to where he can hear and listen to what God has to say in response to a very difficult question. So how can we do that today? As 21st century believers, how can we posture ourselves and wait upon the Lord and listen to him answer our questions. And for that, we're going to step outside of the book of Habakkuk for a little bit. And I'd like for us to go uh, to Matthew 22, verse 37. So let's go ahead and pop that on the screens here, and I'll, I'll just read it off the screen. It reads, And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, and all your mind. So Gabe, what does this have to do with listening? Um, This is a really, really important verse in scripture, uh, and we can spend a lot of time unpacking it. But what I want to hone in on is essentially Jesus is responding to a question about what is the greatest commandment. And his response essentially says this, you need to love God with all of your being. And by the way, your being is made up of your heart, soul, and mind your heart, soul, and mind. We as humans have a heart, we have a soul, and we have a mind. We have a heart, we have emotions, we have a soul, we have a spirit, we're spiritual beings, and we have a mind, right? We're physical, intellectual beings. So when we posture ourselves to listen to God, we need to listen to him with our heart, with our soul, and with our mind. Let's start with our mind, right? Let's start with our mind. Um, God answers us intellectually and physically, through his word. 
He has given us his holy, divine revelation in his scriptures. These scriptures often contain already the answers that we are looking for. Read it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Invest time in the scriptures because God oftentimes directly speaks to us while we read his word. You know, you hear a lot of pastors say, hey, read your Bible. It's because you should read your Bible, (laughs) right? It's important. It's important. It is how God speaks to us. I want to read a couple verses um, that elaborate on this. I want you to hear what God and the scriptures have to say about the scriptures and the power of the scriptures. We're not going to put these verses up here. I just want you to listen. I just want everybody just to listen uh, as I read these words over you. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, Hebrews 4.12. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written on it. Then you will be prosperous and successful, Joshua 1.8. I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 104 through 105. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide us, we might have hope. Romans 15, 4. All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Bottom line is this. Dedicate yourselves to the study of God's word and you will hear him answer you. So we know that we are mental physical beings. God answers us through the study of the word in that way, but we're also spiritual beings. We have a soul. Let's talk about that. Let's, we have a soul. So John 14, 26. Um, let's see. Let's pop that up there here. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. That's John 14, 26. I really love this verse. Um, it teaches, it shows us two things. Um, it shows us that the Holy Spirit is our helper and our teacher. Helper and a teacher. The, the Holy Spirit is uh, part of the Trinity. It's part of uh, who God is. And uh, the Holy Spirit is invaluable in allowing us to listen to God. This word helper, you know, um, I don't really have a good English word for this word helper. I don't know about you, but you know, when you hear helper, it brings up connotations of like, um, like a second grade teacher, like, hey, I need a helper to pass things out. And you know, the helper comes and passes it out. But like, if the helper's not there, the papers are still gonna get passed out. That's not what this word helper means. Um, this word helper is more akin to the example of say, you need to move a couch. That's a two person job, right? If you don't have a helper, that job is not gonna get done. The Holy Spirit is essential to us carrying out God's commandments in our lives, 
right? He's not just like a little helper. No, no, no. Without the Holy Spirit, we cannot carry out God's commandments that he has given to us. Uh, that word helper is also used in, in Genesis when describing the creation of Eve. She was the helper to Adam. Like, she's not just like a little helper. No, you need Adam and Eve together and equal in order to carry out God's commandments, right? Uh, and it's the same with the Holy Spirit. God has given us the Holy Spirit to speak to us, right? It says that the Holy Spirit is our helper and our teacher. So the scriptures and the Holy Spirit are actually symbiotic. Like we can't just come to the scriptures without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will teach us through the scriptures. But oftentimes too, the Holy Spirit will just speak to us, right? I was speaking to some gentlemen back in, in, the, in the tech arts booth before we got started, and both of them will tell me stories about how the Holy Spirit urged them and spoke to them to do certain things. One of them had to do with sharing the gospel with a family member. Another one had to do with something going on in his, in his family. How is it that we know that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us and not just like our emotions, right? Because that's a tough question. I, I, I'll be honest. I struggle sometimes with like the Holy Spirit. It's, you know, I love to study the scriptures. I can do that all day long. But like sometimes I'm like, what, how is it that I can listen to the Holy Spirit? Well, for starters, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit will never tell us something that contradicts with God's word, right? He will never t- tell us to do something that contradicts God's word. But we can grow in our relationship with God and, listen, and learn to listen to that voice through spiritual disciplines, right? Spiritual disciplines allow us to decipher the voice of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual disciplines are things like reading, memorizing scripture, fasting, praying, being in community. All these things are intended to help us hear and understand what is the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, I, uh, I have some friends that are of a different uh, denomination than I am that lean a little bit more into the Holy Spirit. And to be honest, they've been really helpful in helping me grow in this area because oftentimes I'll be talking to them and they'll tell me like, hey, Gabe, that's the voice of the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit? Are you going and asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you? Right? And so they've challenged me and helped me grow in that area. And I'll, I'll tell you this, uh, they fast a lot more than I do. Like, I've probably fasted like a handful of times, really, like a fingerful of times, right? Um, but they, they fast and they do spiritual disciplines so that they can hear the Holy Spirit's voice. And, and, and on the flip side of the coin, there's been times where I'm like, you know what? Um, hey, that, that might be a little bit out of bounds. Let's take a look at what the scriptures has to say. I'm not sure that that's the Holy Spirit speaking. So it's been a really good relationship, and they've kind of helped me um, hear and listen to the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Bottom line is this, God answers us through the voice of his Holy Spirit within us. Seek him and be in relationship with him so that you can know and hear his voice. So God speaks to us through our minds, through the scriptures, to our souls, through the Holy Spirit. And now let's talk about the heart, right? Our emotions. Let's talk about the heart. We are emotional beings, there's times where I question that because I'm an engineer and I work around a lot of engineers. I'm like, man, are we really emotional beings? Um, but then I'm also Latino, so like I lean into the emotion, right? Uh, but we are emotional beings. And let me say something up front here, church, that I want you to hear before we step into this uh, area. Emotions are not a way in which we listen to God, but they are important because they can either draw us to or away from God. So God will speak to us through his word and his Holy Spirit, not through emotions, but emotions are important because they will draw us to or away from God. 
It's a whole spectrum as to how we can handle emotions, right? And there's poor ways and good ways. And the best ways to handle emotion are like right in the middle of that spectrum. On one end, you have, you know, hey, emotions are bad. Don't feel emotions. If you start feeling emotions, stop it. Just stop it. Stop and only think. Don't feel. Don't feel. It's not, it's not good, right? Because we are emotional beings. God created us with emotion. On the other end of the spectrum is emotions are everything and they will define our identity and the way that we behave and the way that we act. That's also unbiblical. So what's a biblical way of handling emotions? Well, uh, Jesus actually gave us great examples for that. Do you know that like Jesus had emotions? <laughs> we look through uh, the gospels and we see that, uh, that Jesus showed us healthy ways to be angry, to be sad, to be ecstatic, to be confused, to be fearful. All those emotions Jesus felt, and they drew him to God. They drew him to the Father. We see examples of that outside of the Gospels. Uh, take, for example, the Psalms. Psalms are dripping with emotion. Emotions of David and other Psalm writers. But those emotions drew them to God, not away from him. Habakkuk, right? You look at the questions that he asks, and they're not just like, hey, I have, a, I have a query, and he asks this question. No, they're emotional questions. They're drawing him to God. He's feeling all these things, and it serves as a catalyst to go to God. So bottom line is this. Our emotions can either draw us to God or away from him. Let's find ways in which to properly address our emotions so we can listen to God. Here's some proper ways that we can uh, work through our emotions. Biblical counseling is one way. I've certainly sought biblical counseling. Community, prayer, biblical self-care, those are all ways in which we can work through our emotions so that we're handling them properly and they are drawing us to God so that we can listen, so that we can listen to him answer us. So if we want to listen to God's answers, we must be willing to seek him with our mind, with our soul, and with our heart, keeping all of these in balance with one another. So we see that Habakkuk in uh, chapter 2, verse 1, postures himself in an attitude of listening and waiting upon the Lord. Let's see what God answers him. So we're back in Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse 4. <clears throat> God's answer to Habakkuk, in my opinion, is profound. Verse 4, it reads, See, he is puffed up. His desires are not upright, but the righteous will live by faith. In short, God answers Habakkuk's question, and he says this, I will bring justice to those who are proudful, but the righteous shall be spared. Oh, and by the way, the righteous are not the ones who do right things. The righteous are those who live by faith. I will bring justice upon the prideful, but the righteous shall be spared, and the righteous shall live by faith. This is what Christianity is built upon. Like, you, you've probably heard this if, if you've read the New Testament, this, this, this verse, but the righteous shall live by faith. It is peppered all throughout the New Testament, and it originates right here, an answer that God gave Habakkuk because Habakkuk was willing to listen, right? We see that pride is the antithesis of faith, and God will always bring judgment upon the proud, 
but he will spare the righteous. If you just take a look at what happened in Habakkuk's day, uh, the nation of Judah was being prideful. So guess what? God enacted his judgment upon them with the Babylonians. Turns out the Babylonians were also prideful. So God enacted his judgment upon the Babylonians as well. But throughout it all, he spared a remnant of the righteous, those who lived by faith. You see, we have to be humble enough to have faith in God. And when we do, he will make you righteous. It is not our works that make us righteous. Works are important. But it is faith in God that will make us righteous. It is faith, this belief that we are all those prideful people upon which judgment ought to be enacted upon. We need to understand that that's where we all stand. But God declared his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we can now be spared of this judgment and brought into relationship with the Father. It is that simple thing that we need to believe, something that even a child can believe and proclaim to the entirety of this church that we just saw do here in baptism. Those who are humble enough to have faith will be made righteous. God will restore his relationship with them and he will spare them from judgment. That is profound. That is what we believe as Christians. If you don't understand what it means to live by faith, that the righteous will live by faith, come talk to me. I'm going to be like right here at the end of the sermon. If you want to talk to me another week, I sit over there. There's like a bunch of little kids. Typically, it's like the Chick-fil-A play section. Um, You can come find me because there's no greater, more important decision or question that you can wrestle with than with that, right? What does it mean to live by faith? I want to address one thing real quick here. Um, <clears throat> to live by faith, is, it's not a blind faith, right? Like, you don't just believe something just because, you know? That, that's not what faith is. You believe based on what you know to be true of God, right? You believe based on what you know to be true of God. If you just have a blind faith, um, I mean, that's, that's what that's what cults do, right? Just believe it. Don't question it. Just believe it. no. Ask, ask your hard questions. Ask them. Like, if this is a faith that you're going to place your life on and build your life on, ask those hard questions. God is more than willing to entertain and answer your hard questions, but be willing to listen. Be willing to listen. Let me take you back to that example I had with Elias asking me, like, how we recycled urine on the International Space Station. Um, how... Silly would it be, and and I'm not trying to be trite here, uh, if Elias would have taken my first response and been like, I don't get it, dad, you're not a good dad, I'm walking away, right? Like, I mean, this is kind of ridiculous, right? But but sometimes we do that all the time because we're prideful, and, and we think we should be able to understand everything. But the reality is, is that we are the three-year-old compared to God. We are the three-year-old oftentimes asking God to explain to us how we recycle urine on a spaceship. God is going to give us an answer, but we may not have the mental capacity to fully understand that answer. 
But you see, my son Elias did not walk away because he knew I was a good dad and that I loved him and that I was gonna give him the best answer that I could give him. And I get it, right? Like, I'm not trying to oversimplify it. You, you might have really, really difficult questions. But as you wait and you listen, remember, you are, we are the three-year-old. And God is going to give us an answer that will be able to be understood by a three-year-old mind. Daryl said this last week with respect to this, and I want to share it again because it was really good. He said, if God were small enough to be understood, he would not be big enough to be worshipped. And that's a quote by a British author. I'll say it again. If God were small enough to be understood, he would not be big enough to be worshipped. So ask your questions. Be willing to listen. Then realize that, like, hey, it may not fully make sense, but at the end of the day, I know that my God is a good God. He's a sovereign God, and he loves me. Habakkuk explains that really well at the end of Habakkuk chapter 2. The last verse in chapter 2, verse 20. Uh, I want to read that here for us. Here's what happens, right? God gives him his answer in chapter 4. Says, I'm going to bring judgment upon the prideful, but I will spare the righteous. And then he he elaborates on what that judgment is going to be for the rest of the passage. And it's not pretty, right? Like, you're not going to find these verses in Hobby Lobby. Uh, it's, It's rough, And after God answers him and tells him the judgment that he is going to pour out upon the prideful, Habakkuk closes it here in verse 20. He says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Habakkuk is able to take this difficult answer and accept it because he knows the Lord is in his holy temple. He is sovereign. He is good. He loves us. I may not get it all, but I know that God is good and sovereign and he gives me his answer. So bring your questions to God. Be willing to listen and seek him out. As we close, I want to close with this. You may be going through a difficult time. may be painful. You may be going through suffering. You may be confused. You may have some really, really difficult questions. Questions like, why did my child have to die? Why did I have to endure such trauma? Does my spouse even love me? How can Jesus be fully God and fully man? Why did you allow sin to even enter the world to begin with? These are really good questions questions that we ought to wrestle with, questions that we ought to bring before our God. But are you willing to listen? Are you willing to posture yourself in a position to where the Lord can answer you and seek you out and give you an answer to these questions? I, I want to close with a, with a verse here. Um, it's from, from another prophet, a prophet Isaiah, and he talks about the value there is to waiting upon the Lord, to waiting on the Lord for an answer. And it reads as such, it's Isaiah 40, 31, but those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Father, thank you that you are a mighty God, a sovereign God, 
a God who loves us. A God, like Hezekiah says, who is seated in his holy temple, let all the earth be silent before him. Thank you that you listen to our questions. Thank you that you answer our questions. I pray that we as a church would seek you out and be willing to listen, be willing to listen through your scriptures and through your Holy Spirit, Lord. You are mighty and worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name, amen.